Hello, and welcome to this latest episode of the Miramichi Historical Linkages Podcast. I'm Sean McCarthy, joined by Tasha Smith uh, and our special guest, Marianne Reardon-Berry. Uh, Marianne, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, we're glad to have you. Uh, and uh, today, I mean, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh your work in history, and especially in the Founding Cultures uh, Museum in Grand Isles. Uh, and uh, yeah, and our project is all about creating historical linkages and looking at things from different cultural perspectives. And so we think that uh, obviously the work that you've done at the at the museum uh, really kind of reflects a lot of that with the, with the different rooms that each culture has at the museum. Um, and uh, yeah, the work that's that, that's gone on there. So by way of, uh, I guess, introduction, I guess a little bit, uh, just to kind of explain a little bit of the history, uh, just in this virtual room that we have here, uh, of course, Marianne, you were my uh, high school uh, French teacher uh, back in grade nine, grade 10. That was uh, a few years ago now. I had a little bit more hair in those days. Uh, uh, more on my head and less on my face. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and, and, and I remember, I think it was in grade 10 um, when we all got on the bus and we headed up to uh, the Acadian Peninsula and you talked to quite a, you know, quite a bit about, you know, your home in Pokeshaw and a, a lot of uh, the history of that community, which of course we did not know at that time. So you've been, you, you've been involved uh, with the, the history of the region uh, for some time. So uh, maybe you can, maybe that's a good stepping off point to kind of talk about uh, the work that you've done and the history of the community. Okay, well, uh, thank you for mentioning that, Sean, because it's always nice to hear about something that you did in school that uh, made a difference or made an impact on a student. And you certainly were a wonderful student. So I'm sure that you took in everything that there was to take in on that field trip. So um, let's just look at the map here for a moment. This is northern New Brunswick, and Bathurst is at my pencil, and uh, Misco Island is over here. So about halfway there is a community called Pokeshaw, and this community is called uh, Pokeshaw by the Mi'kmaq people who were seasonal dwellers here. And Pokeshaw means a hole in a long, narrow stone. And that reflects the shoreline here, the island, or really it's a sea stack that was come that came apart from the shoreline because of the winds and the water breaking away, making holes in the cliff, and it's appeared there. Now there's another, there's a second sea stack here, and it broke away. We used to go through it uh, like a cave and to go to Susie Cowley's beach when I was a child. And it broke away when I was at university. So that was in 1977 or 76. And uh, if you were to see it today, you wouldn't believe the amount of erosion that has happened because the sea stack is quite a distance from the cliff at Poksha Park. But anyway, going back to Poksha. Poksha was a very interesting community in that the settlers who were here were of Irish descent they spoke English, and they were Catholic. So the people in Black Rock and Poksha and in Waterloo were 
uh, immigrants who came here after the Battle of Waterloo, uh, apparently because uh, Napoleon had Irish Irish soldiers fighting for him and um, the British had Irish soldiers fighting for them, uh, when, during the Napoleonic Wars, when the war finished at the Battle of Waterloo, some of the soldiers who were Irish didn't have any means of getting paid by the British government. So they were told that they could settle in some of the British North American colonies. So they ended up coming to Grand Anse, which is just below Grand Anse that we know now, in a place that's also called Blue Cove or Anse Bleu or Ferguson Beach, uh, Lobster Beach. There's a few, few different little names there. Now it all goes by Blue Cove. But there was quite a little settlement there, about 10 lots uh, of Irish people, all Roman Catholic. There was a school and there was a, um, the people, uh, their neighbors in Ireland came to New Brunswick and settled in Poksha and Black Rock. They married with the Waterloo people. The name Waterloo exists no more. It's a disbanded community. It's been taken in by and uh, the people from Poksha to Salmon Beach were all Irish roots and Protestant religions. So there were several little Protestant church dotted along the coast here towards Bathurst. So I always wondered, why are we here? Uh, before I knew about you know, how, how our people got here, because my father always said that we came from Bandon, Ireland, in County Cork. And this parish is called New Bandon, and there's a little community next to us called New Bandon. And of course, that is where the Protestant Irish people settled. And there were, uh, there were Catholics and Protestants up there, but um, up until you get to about Salmon Beach. So it was always, uh, you know, how, how did this all happen? It was kind of um, a question. So now that's, that's how it all happened. And uh, so we, we grew up here and we were always interested in our heritage uh, because the communities were very close knit and uh, they, the people, many of the people were related. And in fact, today, this is June 2023, and tomorrow we have a lobster dinner at our local uh, hall, our recreation center. And so, uh, you know, I baked two pies this morning and everybody is, is involved. And uh, the community now has a lot of Acadians. People are married in with the Acadians. There are German people here. There's a Belgian uh, couple. There's someone from Montreal moved in. There's there are lots of different people here. Um, but when I retired from teaching in Miramichi and came back, I thought that we should have our history told because, well, first of all, it was to find out what our history was. And then we should, we should tell people about it because it's ours and we want to share it. Uh, so at the beginning, I, met with a little bit of hesitation from some people because they didn't want to offend the Acadians. Now, in this part of the North Shore, many, many people are of Acadian descent, and they're, they've come a long ways in uh, making their stand in New Brunswick. And uh, 
they're not the only ones that settled here. So people thought, well, maybe we will be offending them by putting our history out. And I thought, well, are they offending us by teaching us about their history? No, it's, it's a learning experience for everyone. So uh, the first thing that I did, I was always very interested in genealogy. And so along with that came the history. And the first thing I did when I retired and, and came up here to, to resettle where I was born was make a little history brochure. And it is, uh, it uh, includes the cultures here. So we've got the Mi'kmaq flag, the Scottish, the Irish, the French, and the uh, British, or well, the, the St. George English flag. So, um, and of course, Canada and New Brunswick. So it kind of shows uh, all of the different cultures that were the founding cultures in this region of the province. And um, that uh, I'll bring that in with the uh, Founding Cultures Museum in a moment, tie that in. So anyway, I made this and uh, the local recreation council published it and we had it ready for a come home reunion in 2017, where we got many, many people of the diaspora of Poksha to uh, come back and uh, to reunite. Uh, it was around that time that the Pope's Museum in Grand Anse was becoming a little bit stale. The exhibits had not changed for many, many years. It had been a Pope's Museum for a long time. And Gaston Hashi was the uh, uh, CEO, board of directors, president, whatever. Um, he was the, the main man. And um, the attendance was going down. So uh, there were some new members on the board of directors, one of those being um, my cousin, Bernie Reardon. Now he was at the Lord Beaverbrook Art Gallery in Fredericton before he returned home to resettle. And he was in Halifax at the, uh, the gallery there. Um, and this, the board of directors decided, the, the government had said, you know, we have to change this up because we're not getting people here to see a new exhibit. And so we were given a few choices of what we would like to put in the museum. And one of those was the founding cultures. So we went with that. And since I had been involved with the history of our community, which included the region, um, I was asked to be the curator of the Irish gallery. And uh, a lady in Trackety is the curator of the Scottish Gallery. And uh, the Acadian Gallery, kind of the workers looked after that, Gaston. And the uh, Mi'kmaq Gallery, uh, it wasn't developed. It was only, only uh, appointed with articles and, and really opened up last spring, uh, last summer. 2022, uh, and right now the British Gallery is being worked on by Kevin Mann from Bathurst. So we have five galleries 
and as well, there are other special rooms. We still have a, the mini uh, Vatican in the museum. And um, so what I did in the gallery, because I, I started, this was a, a big learning curve for me because uh, I have a science background, not a history background. And so one wall of the gallery is totally Irish uh, history. And I wanted to talk about the movement of people into and out of Ireland. So that's what it's called, uh, beginning like way back, way before the Vikings. So that's one of the walls and it goes right up to the present time. And of course, most of the people on that wall who stand out are not Irish people at all. They're the people who invaded Ireland. And then um, there's another wall with, with photos and, and posters and, and some from the uh, New Brunswick ICCA that, that they had uh, printed up for New Brunswick. And then the, the other long wall is New Brunswick's uh, people, New Brunswick's Irish people. And again, uh, the Irish people in New Brunswick don't stand out as being huge figures, not a lot of them, because the Irish people, like the Acadians, were very much uh, the workers in the woods, on the railways, on the rivers, uh, on the farms, and they didn't hold huge positions of authority. And um, so anyway, I'm still working on that wall, actually. But uh, it's, it's been a, a big uh, learning process for me. And uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's how that all started. Now, if you, uh, if, I, if I can just mention um, our community renewal, we, we, we try to get things going in our community, going again or going more. There have always been wonderful um, volunteers here and there have been things happening here. But about 2017, several people have moved back and have cottages or built a permanent home. So uh, we kind of uh, became a little bit more active. And the government, the Department of Tourism, Heritage and Culture put in stakes in our lo local park, um, survey stakes. And, you know, we saw them and the park and the beach used to be owned by private landowners, uh, Johnny Coombs and Pearl Driscoll. And they sold that land to the government in the late 60s and 70s. And so the community leases the park and the beach from the government of New Brunswick. It's not a provincial park, but we lease the park, we run the park, the people who have been here, you know, lived here for the last 40 years, 50 years, they have had uh, student workers in the summertime and, and um, been keeping the beach clean and the park uh, presentable and so on. But the government decided to come and uh, create a VISTA project, one of, I think, 14 or 15 projects around New Brunswick. And that was in uh, 2018, I believe. 
And so the, a lot of us were wondering what's going on at our park. And we approached the department and we were able to find out that they were doing uh, an intersecting boardwalk right along the edge of the cliff, which was to be over the water and uh, a senior in a wheelchair, because those are our demographics now, could be wheeled out on one boardwalk and his or her friend could be on the other one and take their picture and they would be over the water and near the island and be interactive with nature. So um, we said, well, could we be involved with this a little bit since we're the ones who, who look after the park and, and we'd like to know a little bit about it. Um, the Department of Tourism, Heritage and Culture was a little reluctant to have us get involved because they had already had the plan done up and uh, a company in Fredericton had designed the, uh, the work to be done, etc. But when they came and met with us at the Recreation Council level, they saw that we were all very interested and very willing to help out and we wanted to make something of our community and or, or make more I, I should say um so anyway three of us got on a little committee for a new washroom because all we had was two outhouses at the park and we said if you're bringing seniors here and uh, they will need a washroom that's presentable as well as everyone else so uh, we were able to uh, build a brand new washroom a very nice washroom and um, so I asked the, the people that I was the liaison person with this VISTA project. And by the way, uh, our project was the first one to be started in New Brunswick. So there was a change of government and the other projects were all annulled. One of those was in Douglastown at the uh, Rankin, Rankin School. Yeah, so that was... I know they've done work there, but it, I don't think that it's to the extent that the uh, Department of Tourism wanted. So, so anyway, we saw all the beautiful projects that were going to happen around the province, but they were supposed to be projects that would just stand alone. And uh, I think the government realized that you can't just put a you know $360 million project in place and expect it to stand alone. So... Um, we, we had the, the, the washroom and then I said, now this is heritage and culture. What does this VISTA project, ours was the first one to start. We were the guinea pigs in the province and they started it. So they had to continue it. They had to finish it. And then, um, the others were, were all scrapped, but, uh, we were lucky, I guess. And uh, so I said, what does this have to do with heritage and culture? And they said, well, nothing. And I said, well, you know, I've done a lot of history research. And would you mind if we were able to tell our story of our people in the park? So they said, well, sure. So um, 
I made up some panels and uh, the, the Recreation Council was in favor. First of all, we, we have a, a, a welcoming panel and it looks a little like this. So it says, uh, welcome in uh, Mi'kmaq, Pujilasi, and Falcha in Irish, and uh, you are welcome, and vous êtes bienvenue in English and French. And then we have uh, the rest of our information there. So that meets you at the park gate and at the beach gate. And um, then the next, next one that I had designed by Impressions in, in Bathers was this one here. And it talks about the uh, Jacques Cartier coming in 1534 and about the Mi'kmaq people who were here first and so on and so forth. And it has a picture of the Logie Lobster Cannery on the beach. This was one of the sites of the Logie W.S. Logie Lobster uh, business. And I also had, because I was into genealogy, I had the names of all of the people who first came, who first settled here in the 1820s and after, and um, and, and before, I'll mention that in a moment. So all of the ones that are Irish are just regular, and the ones that are not Irish descent have little asterisks beside them. So there are a few Scottish names on here. I'll explain that. So those, that's one set. And we have a great big 12 by 12 cedar post with all of these names to honor the people who first came here. That's another one. And they're all in alphabetical order. That's another one. And a lot of these names you won't find here now. People have gone to Maine to work or to the States or to out West or I mean other parts of the States or out West. So I included the names of the mothers, the, the women who immigrated here as well, because people are more interested now in finding out what their roots are. And if someone came here and they knew that their people came from Northern New Brunswick and they looked at this and they said, oh, Cushing, my grandfather, my great-grandfather was a Cushing. I wonder if this is where he landed or he was. And so it would uh, help them find, you know, where their ancestors came. And even if it was the mother's name, like I'm Conway, there was a, a, a woman who was married to one of these other Irish names. And... Uh, so someone would see, oh, there is a Conway connection here, you know, maybe this is where our people arrive. So that is our Pioneer Post. And um, speaking about arriving, we do have a Miramichi connection of people who arrived here. And that was in 1822, a Marianne Harley. She was a sister to John Harley. Uh, who work at the Russell on Bull Bear Island. And so there's, there's an article in the archives in Fredericton, this Marianne Harley lived in Cork McSherry, County Cork. And 
she, her father was a pre Presbyterian minister there, and he received a letter from one of his sons in the Miramichi in Newcastle, and it said, send Marianne over, there's a gentleman here that she could marry. His name is John Henry. And so she uh, ended up coming over on the next ship, and she disembarked at Paksha, and for three days and three nights, her, she and her brother who met her here walked from Poksha to Newcastle with water and a compass. And she did marry John Henry in the Miramichi, and she did move to uh, Portland, Maine when she was a senior, and she, to live with her daughters, to be taken care of by her daughters. And she wrote all of this to her granddaughter, explained it all to her granddaughter, and it was published in the Portland News. And so we know that a ship came in right here. Some came in down in Waterloo, in Ferguson Beach, and some came in in Yawhall. And um, one of those, of course, arrived at Kinsale, which is now called North Tedagush. And that's what I put on the map sign. The communities in Ireland, see it's southwestern Ireland is where the people who from here arrived, a few people from the north of Ireland, but mostly from the southwest, town of Cork, and they came to the northeast of New Brunswick. So the communities in County Cork are here, the communities where our people came from, Gregnamanach and Bellamine, Kilbritton, Abiman, Timolig, Dunmanway, etc. And this is the uh, north coast here that has the Irish names of the communities that were called after Irish people. And it doesn't, like there are some from Pukmush area down around that area because we know the Eliza Lydell arrived in Pokemush in 1847 during the famine, but our people were here before the famine. Anyway, I want to tell you a little bit about the Scottish people who were here and the fact that there was a trading post here. And it was run by um, two men. We don't know if they were our brothers or father and son or what, but it's the Hagars and they had a trading post down on the beach. So we have put at the park uh, a cabin, a cabin, and we've called it the trading post. And at the trading post, uh, at that cabin, I've got uh, a huge panel that talks about these Scottish people who arrived here. Now, between you and I, we're not sure exactly when these Scottish people arrived. And the land that I sit on and I live on now was owned by John Young. And he um, cleared land here. And it was either in the late 1700s or the early 1800s. But by 1837, the Scottish had quite a hold on the land here. Now, they were Protestant and they were Scottish. So I went to the uh, journey of learning all about the people who entered New Brunswick. And we made the panel so that it's interactive, so that people could learn about 
this uh, trading post, which took items down from the Mi'kmaq people to the West Indies and then came back with goods for the people here. And I've made the, po the uh, poster with uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, which describes the, the uh, Protestant people who emigrated into New Brunswick and the years that they emigrated. And it's up to the visitor to decide, were these Scottish people privateers or were they planters? Were they United Empire loyalists? Were they late loyalists? Were they lumbermen from the Miramichi who came up? Were they disbanded soldiers after the War of 1812, or were they immigrants? So um, it's kind of a learning lesson, but it, it leaves you with the idea that you can look for more, find out the answer as best you can. So that is about the Scottish people. Now, did they stay here? No. Uh, they moved on. In fact, the Kerrs ended up uh, being in charge of the lighthouse in Karakut, and the Youngs were uh, very influential. Uh, some people ended up going to Toronto. Uh, there were Irish names along with them, Senat, um, there's a Frizzle, uh, Caldwell. So there were names here. They don't, they never stayed here. So they came and they started to do business. There was a mill here. There was um, uh, some, no, I don't think there was much farming at that time. I think it was only when the Irish came and, and settled uh, that the farming started. But um, the these Scottish people, of course, we know that there was in Karakut and Trakadie uh, Scottish people who who went into the communities, and and we know about the Karakut riot and and so on down there, and 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 they the government in New Brunswick that tried to you know control things in in the in the peninsula, so uh, they were part of the English contingent that were there, yeah. So now I'm trying to think there was something else I wanted to explain before I stopped my little rant here. Um, uh, just, just a few little items about the community. Since uh, we've put up the panels, we've uh, made rack cards, which we've taken around New Brunswick and to advertise the, the beach and the park. And I do some school tours. Two days ago, I had uh, two grade three classes from Shipgen, Nouveau-Allais, and um, the students were immensely interested, even at that age, because their teachers were um, supporting what I was saying and, you know, saying, what's well, la science humaine, you know, you learned about, it was all in French, mind you, which is, my French is not the best, Sean. You might know, but uh, <laughs> but it was it was really inspiring to see the children. Uh, and she said, the teacher said, "This is the best field trip I have ever been on." 
And on, on Monday, if the weather clears up, we are getting uh, uh, two classes from Terry Fox Elementary School in Bathurst. So, uh, and we did some last summer. So uh, another thing that's kind of uh, put our history on the map, uh, so to speak, is, uh, well, we, I got help from some of the, uh, the Irish Canadian Cultural Association in Bathurst helped to fund one of the panels. The Scottish Association helped to fund one. The Schiller Tourism helped to fund uh, some. Uh, the community has uh, paid the brunt of it. And uh, we've, everyone in the community, you know, has had a, a part of the park and the beach and the uptake, uh, you know, the upkeep and, and the hall, which we want to have renovated. And it's a great community effort. We even have a, an Irish flag at the park, um, which, you know, that's one of the first things people look at when they're driving by and they say, what's this all about? It's very rare to see an Irish flag up on the North Shore. Um, the Eliza Lydell play put on by the Maison Doucet Hennessy House in Bathurst, they uh, combined with us with the, in the ICCA, which I'm uh, on the executive, to host that play last summer in, I think, 15 different uh, places, one of them being Bull Bear Island. And a lot of the Acadians learned that uh, the story about the Irish orphans who arrived in Shippigan and who were adopted by the Acadian families. And that's why they have uh, Irish roots. So that, that, that's, that public uh, process is a wonderful way to uh, teach people about the Irish in the area. Um, and then uh, last year, we had the amazing race here. We were the pit stop for the amazing race in uh, September 6th, uh, 2022. It was a secret for uh, almost three years because of COVID. Uh, I had been approached in December, 2019 and was uh, confidentiality was utmost importance. So uh, even people on our executive didn't know that it was coming, but it, it was something that couldn't be told. And I was happened to be the person that they contacted. So, uh, you know, we had uh, a million viewers nationally at the park. So um, last year, I put up a Mi'kmaq panel. I, I don't have it right here. But it talks about the crosses, the three crosses uh, of the Mi'kmaq people and how they represent, they don't represent religion, they represent the ships coming over the horizon. And uh, we have the Pulamo there as their tattoo and um, a, a few other, the, the four directions. And uh, it was interesting because I had some of that information on my on my welcoming panel, and it was too much. It was, it was too much information. So uh, the Department of Heritage and Culture asked me to cut it back. And then they said, where are you getting this information about the Mi'kmaq people? And I said, well, I'm going to Gilbert Sewell in Pabano. 
And they said, well, I have history students here in Fredericton in the department, and they don't know anything of like what, what you're talking about. And I said, well, Gilbert Sewell is a mentor at University of Mount Allison, and he speaks Mi'kmaq. He lives in the area, and he's an elder, and I think that he's a really good source. So in the end, uh, everything that he was able to tell me, I was able to, to put up, but on a different panel. And I was also questioned about the information um, on, the, on the MAPS panel, because a lot of the history students in Fredericton did not know about the oppression in Ireland. And so I was asked to show them the, my sources and where I got the information from. So I, I asked the lady, can you just give me 15 minutes? And I've, I've got a library here that's, uh, well, if you're interested in Irish history, it's to die for. And so I, I went in and I opened up about uh, eight books to the pages that talk about 1171-1169, when the British first put Irish off their land in Northern Ireland and started bringing Scottish people in. And um, I took photos of my books on the pages and underlined, highlighted, and I sent it back and I said, is this enough? And she replied, yes, <laughs> that's enough. So it's clear to me that in New Brunswick, we do not have uh, people educated and learned about the Irish history and the Irish in New Brunswick. And um, it's, I think it's a shame that we don't have it in our education system. Um, so I think I better stop and see if you have any questions or comments because we're running out of time. Well, I just wanted to say it's absolutely heartwarming to hear about uh, how the community came together as it did um, and the interest and the connections they were making, not only from the past, but now in the present, moving into the future. It's just so nice to hear. Um, I don't hear of it very often of how much community uh, involves themselves in parks and whatnot as you guys have so it's very encouraging to hear about it thank you so much for explaining all of that and all the information you've provided thus far it's so many rabbit holes my mind's trying to go down right now but I'm like slow down <laughs> <laughs> well thank you it's it's been a, a passion and it's been a labor of love and I've done lots of reading I guess COVID has allowed me to read and uh, and learn, and I'd like to share. I guess I'm a true teacher. I like to share what I learned, and uh, I think it's really important to res to know and then respect the other cultures. And so I just want to be part of it. Well, it seems to me, Marianne, that you are quite a quite a large part of it in your community, but also in the province, uh, you know, in general. Uh, so we thank you very much for uh, for your involvement and for joining us here today. And before we kind of close up 
the episode for this week. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to uh, to mention or to give voice to? Well, I'd like to say thank you to the people at the universities in Fredericton who have done studies um, on on the Irish in New Brunswick. You know, Dr. Toner and and others. And I'm I'm very fortunate because I do tours to Ireland, and every time I go over, oh, I have to show you my map. I help people to find their roots, and I have a, a really fantastic map here, and it's I got it in um, Galway, and it is a map of all the names. Dr. Tyrone Bowles did a study and all the names of the people uh, in, in Ireland uh, you know, to help people find their roots. And they're color-coded. So the native Irish are in green, the Vikings are in purple, the Norman are in red, and Galloglass are blue. I didn't even know what Galloglass was. Hmm. Galloglass is the Scottish people who came into Northern Ireland to help the native Irish to fight off the, uh, the British. And I also learned like on some of my trips to Ireland with like either through maritime travel, but I just, I just helped to manage the trip. I'm not an employee and I go and I have, I have fun. But in uh, Belfast, um, I went to the Prony, the Public Records of Northern Ireland office and I also went to the Ulster Scots Museum and learned a lot about the Presbyterian people who were the first people in Ireland to say, well, we've had enough of this British dominance, we're leaving. And they went into the Eastern States. And uh, a lot of those people came into New Brunswick eventually, but it wasn't the Catholics. And I try to tell people that go on my trips, on my tours, you know, it wasn't a religious, well, it was a religious thing. The religions were, were pitted against each other so that the government and so that powerful people like Oliver Cromwell could get what they wanted. And the, um, you know, eventually it's the historians, it's, it's the songwriters and the, uh, uh, theater people and the novelists who, like W.B. Yeats, you know, in that era, who helped Ireland to get its independence. Many, many, many of those people were non-Catholic, and they saw the hurts that the Irish people had and said, that's enough, you know, and, and there are many statues in Ireland to non-Catholics because of their help to make Ireland independent and to become a republic on its own. And I, I don't think people realize that. I mean, growing up in a community that was right beside Protestant and Catholic, it was, you know, you had to be careful back in the day. And, and it was, a, you know, one of my one of the students two days ago asked me how old I was, and I said, "Oh, how old do you think I am?" And she said, "86." <laughs> so I go way back. <laughs> I wouldn't talk to her after that. 
so anyway, uh, you know that the I have books. You know, the surplus people who came out of uh, Wex Wicklow and the Sligo diaspora and uh, the exiles and islanders. Uh, you know about the the PEI Irish, like these people who have already done research. And I mean, I've got census in there, you know, piled that high. And I, I rather have the paper than the electronic versions. Mm. And I've created so many family trees of people that were in the community to see how everybody fit in. And they, they just go on and on and on and on. And like, I, I, I'm, some people think I'm crazy, but you know, I'm really not. <laughs> so I, I think that's about it. I'll probably think of other things after we're finished, but uh, that's enough for now. Well, I tell you, Marianne, if you're crazy, you're in good company because I think we're crazy right along with you. Uh, so, so no worries there. Uh, the inmates are running the asylum on this show. Uh, yeah. So that's it. But I want to, again, I want to thank you very much uh, for taking the time to speak with us today and for all of your work. And uh, yeah, I guess just a, just a, a quick matter of housekeeping. If uh, some of our viewers or our listeners are interested in uh, visiting uh, the, the Founding Cultures Museum, um, when, uh, when does it open up for, for this season? And uh, when is it open during the week? It's open. It opens, I think, at 10 o'clock most days. Mm -hmm. I think they've got some summer students in there now. Okay. Our park is open now. Uh, we have summer students working here as well. Oh, great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not certain about the museum, but I think it, it's opened by now. Okay. Well, this episode probably won't go out. I mean, we're filming it today on the 16th of June, and it probably won't be out again, uh, you know, until later in the summer. So by the time you're watching this, it's certainly yeah. open. Uh, take the opportunity and yeah. uh, head up and visit uh, while you're in the area. It's a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful drive along the coast. Uh, I've made it a few times. Uh, and uh, like I say, uh, once again, Marianne, thanks so much. And thank all of you. Uh, for, for watching. Thanks, Natasha, for uh, co-hosting with me once again this week. Uh, and we will see uh, all of you out there in video and audio land uh, once again in two weeks' time. All the best. Thank you.